Dating back to the turn of the 20th century, live theater and film have been telling this story for years, and a dark ride would be a whole new way to share it. The final attraction to be added before the opening of Disneyland in 1955, this ride still exists today, with only minor changes from its premiere. This became the perfect example of the theme of our story, Never Grow Up. This week on Slice of Disney, Peter Pan's Flight. Now, think of the happiest things. It's the same as having wings. Let's all try it just once more. Look, we're rising off the floor. Jim and me. Oh, my. We can fly. You can fly. We can fly. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, uh occasional disney goer and real life TikTok the croc yes and you're gonna need all of my pixie dust to help you through this episode wait what <laughs> <laughs> do i get pixie dust in the movie i don't remember no but you're crank i don't know you're evil oh uh, okay cool 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 Just That's, like, uh, that uh, that no it checks out i get it now yes and now that and will you're evil well, right. Actually, exactly. oh my God! Perfect. As I said that, he's playing with his like mm. mustache and like twisting it. I'm kind of a shmee <laughs> if I think about it. Yeah, this is the this is the IP for me. The IP for you. This is the uh, IP for me. <laughs> well, what do you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've been teasing it for 20 episodes now. You're real life Tinkerbell. Um, this is what Tinkerbell is from. So I what's, know. Do you? Are you a big Peter Pan person then? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Which I like Peter Pan. I haven't seen the movie in I I don't even know how long. I've probably mm-hmm. seen the Jeremy Sumter version more recently. Which one is that? Uh with it, it's just called Peter Pan, but it was like the really like hot guy when I was little. <laughs> Uh, that's one of the funny things about Peter Pan because I looked at the list of works inspired by Peter Pan and there are so many. So, yeah. There's, there's like probably 10 to 12 movies, but then beyond that, there's all these like, you know, live adaptations of it, pieces of fiction that it's in. Like, it is iconic. Yeah. I, in being a musical theater kid, I've definitely sang songs from this and always wanted to be in it, have not gotten to be. I would definitely want to be Peter Pan in this situation. Uh, but I've. You'd want to be Peter Pan and not Tink? The musical's different. Okay, I'm, I'm at yeah. that. That's fine, but explain to me. Because <laughs> I don't think everyone knows. I don't. I didn't know. Oh, so Peter Pan is played by a woman. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. She's really cool. Okay. She has great songs and she gets to fly. Sure. It's it's a pretty fun musical. Uh, and then, yeah, as you said, like, I mean, Hook. What a great movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the one I can... I mean, I don't know how many of these versions of this movie I've seen, um, but Hook is definitely the one that I do remember the most. And, you know, based on some of the research and reading and, and kind of getting more familiar with the story as we went into uh, recording this episode, I feel like Hook might be one of the better adaptations of the story. Um, oh, I agree with that. For a variety of reasons. What but, are they, Will? Well, thank you for setting me up like that. Really. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So I was just doing some more reading on it, and I was like, "There's Peter Pan is this kind of 
it's it's definitely this story that we're all somewhat familiar with, but it's also one that is very easily adapted to go super dark um, because a lot of the underlying themes around it are pretty dark. Uh, <gasps> yeah. And Hook to me feels like one of the one one of the good versions of it because I think there is this unsettling nature to the concept of never growing up and sure in a fantasy and with that with just that first phrase that sounds cool but once you start to explore more what that means including like what this ultimately ends up becoming which is this one character who uh you know is always a child even as his friends grow up and then he becomes friends with his with his old friends kids and then he just continues on this he never gets the chance to grow up beyond just refusing to ever grow up right uh but hook i think does a good job with that because it's like oh no he actually does grow up and sometimes he needs to remember what it's like to be a kid but he does go on to have a nice life um and so i i I like that aspect of hook um even if it's you know not the best movie it's still a fun one uh it's it is the best you can say it we all know (laughs) (laughs) so the original story was it was originally written by an english author named j.m barry and it, about a boy who wouldn't grow up. And that uh, that debuted in 1911. And it people were automatically just drawn in by these characters. It was very successful from the get-go. Uh, of course, this is how a description I found of Tinkerbell, and I think it's funny. Uh, manipulative but good-hearted fairy. <laughs> it sounds like it was written by Oops. Tink, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> hey, no, I always say I always say sassy and sweet. Like the perfect combination of just like, Little sass. Sure. No, she's fun. And, you know, you have a really fun villain with Captain Hook. There's really great characters in this. Uh, not all of this uh, is great. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I yeah, I, we should address it. it there's a lot of pro- problematic is the best way to describe the way that they treat Native Americans in this movie. Um, they are like a very reductive caricature that really only serve to uh, be there to make Peter Pan look better. Um, in a lot of ways and it's frankly like I went back and watched the rewatch the movie before we got in before we recorded this episode and uh, it's very unsettling <laughs> like I, it's very uncomfortable um, you know I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cite specific examples because I don't really want to um, but it is definitely a problem with this with this IP yeah I, I'll be honest again I haven't actually watched the movie peter pan in years i'll see clips i've seen all the tink- i've seen more of like the tinkerbell movies sure. that they made or a hook or the jeremy sumter version uh that because those were what i guess i liked more yeah and i mean i think you know look the the general concept behind peter pan clearly speaks to people in a way it is about that maturing it's about that process of going from being a kid to becoming an adult and that's something that everyone goes through and there's some resistance to it as you're a kid and those other people are probably more into it um so you know i think it would be great if they could find a way to rework this without all of that aspect in it um i don't know if that they will but uh and i and i should go back and watch some of the more recent ones in fact i think that there is another movie coming out soon um, I feel like based there, on peter pan yeah i think that there is a new one. Oh, like finding neverland too there is so many movies so as, many. as we're talking and they're just coming to me of all the things that have been inspired by this original story so yeah there's one that came out uh, at sundance um this year oh. uh, in january called windy and it's 
tale of Peter Pan is told through the perspective of Wendy. So like there's, there's always these different versions of that that are coming out. So I am hopeful and confident that we can get something that's going to be a little <laughs> bit better, uh, at least in some of those problematic areas. Um, but I think it's important to talk about that stuff before we get into all know, of the great the ride. Super yes, fun. It is. Because <laughs> so. the ride is super fun. It is. It's a fun one. Uh, the, the, the ride came out, uh, opening day of of disneyland and peter pan the movie was the most recent disney movie it mm. it it opened uh it had been released in theaters in 1953 so that was very quick and 1953 is also you know when walt disney's really going hard design you know getting ready to make disneyland a real thing yeah so he's, I, you he's know, really I wonder. all these all the the wheels are churning the wheels are churning. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I wonder if they had planned to make this addition to the park before the movie came out or if once they saw the success of the movie, we're like, hmm, I guess we should put this in there, too. Yeah, um, I, I think that it would have been too early for the parks for them to actually have real ideas. Yeah. Um, but when but when he was thinking of the ideas of Disney, it just felt really natural for them to put a Peter Pan adventure into place like we talked about in the haunted mansion episode that original concept of disneyland that herb ryman drew uh there's a fantasy land built in there that yeah. hat so this was he knew he wanted to have a land featuring ip from the classic movies that they were creating yeah and so this one came out alongside uh snow white right and uh mr toad's Wild ride. Wild ride. Yeah. And originally they had thought of doing like a Pinocchio Square, trying to do something with Alice in Wonderland. Those ended up getting scrapped because of money and time. But these were the three that they ended up going with as the dark rides featured in Fantasyland. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the original version of this uh, of this ride, the exterior in Disneyland was this kind of very medieval setting. Um, it's like a medieval fair. Like if you were to go to the Ren Fair or something, you would see a lot of these kind of like um, flags and, and kind of castle cutouts yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, they later changed that for the Disneyland one. But is the Disney World queue, is that the exterior still kind of that old kind, school one? Kind of. Um, yeah, the one in Fantasyland in in Florida definitely still has more of a carnival feel. And again, they still didn't actually get what they wanted initially for the exterior, but they did change everything. They did a huge overhaul of Fantasyland and they changed it to a more like English style uh, to match kind of like Matterhorn. It, it all goes in together a little more. Oh, gotcha. Makes it more of a coherent Yes. And it kind of goes, you know, with Peter Pan better. <laughs> sure. That makes sense, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we've heard this a million times already, but Walt forever wanted the park to be changing and growing. Mm-hmm. And during his lifetime, the park changed more in those years than they have now uh, in, in that span yeah, of time. That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I found interesting about this ride, too, and alluded a little bit to in the intro, is that... Uh, while there has been definitely been updates to this ride and there has been things that have added on to the queue experience and the exterior and this kind of stuff, a lot of the bones of the ride stayed pretty the same, pretty much the same. 
Yeah. Um, it's not like they went like shut it down and did a total refurbishment of it. It's just like we're going to improve the effects. We're going to uh, make little tweaks here and there. We're going to do some stuff that we wanted to do early on, but we, we didn't have the technology for. But for the most part, the ride that you're going on in 2020 is pretty similar to the ride that you would have gone on in 1955, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, this is a lot of the Fantasyland rides are that way. Uh, this there has been talk of what it would look like to make Peter Pan an e-ticket attraction. They didn't end mm. up going that way, obviously. Yeah. And I think that there's something really special and nostalgic about riding these dark rides. Yeah. Um, it's not thrilling. You don't have to be a certain height. You know, it's really fun for the whole family. So that's been. You're right in that not a lot changed, but these were also really big changes. In their own right. Yeah, I mean, sure. And we'll get into those, I'm sure. Yes. So jumping back to the building of Fantasyland, we're going back for a second because I, I got to hate on Universal Studios just one more time. It's I just going to happen. That's, it's, it's so dumb. Go ahead. <laughs> this, you know what? This is like a bit that I don't even, again, I don't even hate Universal Studios, but I'm going with it. Um, that when Walt Disney pitched the idea of Fantasyland and adding you know, this experience based on his animated films, that was unheard of before. And, you know, something that, like, Universal didn't come up with for years. So, haha. And people thought he was... <laughs> <laughs> people thought he was crazy. Everybody thought <laughs> that this idea that he was going to bring these carnivals and fairs in times, like, 500, I mean, not even times 10, like, just bump it up to the max. People didn't... Couldn't see, couldn't see his dream. I guess I have the benefit of hindsight, but when I read stuff like that, I'm like, all right, come on. I feel like we're giving Walt a little too much credit. I like, know. He was the first to think of coming up with a ride based on his own film. <laughs> what a but, genius. I'm like, all right, sure. Universal never thought of that. Ha ha. <laughs> okay. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that was funny to me because that was the Simpsons guy. And now oh, yeah, that's Disney property. Oh, that's it, but that's it was true. Universal property. <laughs> universal. For Good. Oh, man, Walt, another genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> From you Beyond know. the Grave. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, it is weird to think about the fact that, like, because we can't understand what it's like to not have these things. Right, 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 right. Like, I can't imagine, like, I can imagine, you know, what it was like to be like, oh, my God, seeing a plane for the first time. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I get that. So or, it is definitely hindsight for me. But it, but it just when I read that stuff, I'm like, you guys are a little a little much on the uh, Walt worship there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that I feel like that's an appropriate Walt worship. Maybe. Mostly I'm against it, but <laughs> yes, I'm for that one. Um, continuing on into Peter Pan's flight. Originally, the ride was called Peter Pan Flight. And one of the things that all of the rides in Fantasyland had in common that the well now called Imagineers thought of was that we were going to take a ride through the protagonist's point of view. So it was right. Peter Pan flight because, and you never saw Peter Pan at any point in the ride because we were Peter Pan. Right. You were taking, assuming the role of Peter Pan. And, and from what I could tell, that uh, was not super well explained or intuitive to right. the guests that were riding the ride. Um, so early on, a lot of people as they came off were like, huh, that was cool. But like uh, missing kind of the main character there. Walt, yeah, it was, you know. It, it, it was kind of funny because it was a huge hit, and it still is. It has mm -hmm. one of the longest lines all the time. But at the same time, that was something that was very confusing that they yeah. 
obviously ended up changing later. They did. So these Imagineers that we just spoke of, um, they're a lot of our original boys. So the Imagineers that were assigned to create these dark rides were Herb Ryman, Marvin Davis, Bob Mady, Claude Coates, and Ken Anderson. Yay! And in true Walt fashion, as Will loves, they had this super tight deadline. Um, It was one of like their most rushed projects like i think my guess is that only small world would maybe beat it you know at the very least you know if if the day that night the day that the movie came out they were like we need to make a ride and that gives them less than two years to complete it so whatever the development of this was uh it would have compared with small world for sure we can literally go through a little bit date by date of kind of what each like how quickly this happened okay herb ryman May 1954 had come up with a lot of the major scenes. Uh, and that included the Mermaid's Lagoon and the Big Rainbow. But obviously those didn't happen till later. And then in August 1954, Marvin Davis had completed the plan for the fly-through. So not just the story, but had completed the fly-through. And um, with scenes like the Hangman's Tree and the Crocodile Creek. Both of these... This is something I think is such a random fact that I very interesting to me um both of them the track was going to go clockwise and so you would kind of like go through i think neverland first then uh bill martin completed the tentative track layout drawings in november of 1954 which uh depicted the attraction as it would be built and how the ride vehicles would fly uh, counterclockwise from London to Neverland. And that is the way it ended up being built. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Uh, seems like a bad original idea to go from Neverland to London. It just makes sense that you start in the real world and you get and then transported it, to the fantasy world. Yeah, I uh, agree. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I... That's Good job. The- Good job, Bill. Good job, Bill. You saved it. And in this time, what what seems to us like... Duh, this is just part of our natural theme park going experience. The lighting and use the use of like black lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. This was the first time they'd thought of it. Yeah, no, which I think is uh which I think is pretty cool. And even though they came up with all of these innovative storytelling techniques, there's still there's still some problems with it. It is a success, but we're missing Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. We're missing some key parts of the movie. It was, you know, we don't get to see as much of the magic. Yeah. I mean, I think in part just because they didn't have the technology for it yet. I know that one of the things that I had had run into was uh, one of the things they really wanted. One of the things that they were really trying to do um, is have the, or at least in the original design, the track is supposed to go through Skull Island, and you're supposed yeah. to like come out the eye of one of the skulls, like you're flying on the ship, and you're supposed to come out of it. But they never quite had the technology for it at the time, and they couldn't quite pull it off. So they were just like, "Man, we'll deal with it later." And I think yeah. that's what happens when you have a rush job, Walt. Yeah. Uh, you can't get your <laughs> coolest stuff in there. Give us some more time, man. <laughs> I you, you kind of like you can kind of see like they attempted it because you see like part of a skull in the ride and then it got moved over to like a corner right but so it's kind of like was that it was that like them attempting it and they couldn't even again rush job they couldn't put the ride in place to 
to work out the mechanics of the ride in the park because none of that had been built. So they literally mm. had to build the ride in their studio first in Burbank and they would ride it around. There's like a cute thing about Bob Gurr talking about riding the ride in the studio. You know, that that's that's how they would practice and work on it. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so like I guess just to let's let's talk through what the ride is actually, what you're seeing when you're in it. Um it's a dark ride. You're on a ship um and you're flying. So it's one of the few dark rides I think that I can think of. I'm sure there's a lot out there now, but at the time where you're on an overhead rail um, instead of just being like kind of on an omni mover on the ground, um, you're an overhead rail system, and so you take off um, out and you're flying around, and you're and you're looking down instead of up. Yeah, like you're you looking do with down most rides. Yeah, because Peter Pan flies, and he that's flies. what you do in this ride. So it starts with uh, a moonlit sky with Peter Pan, and you're going to board onto this beautiful ship. And with the help of some pixie dust, we go on our flying adventure. And we're, we go through some of the most iconic scenes. We start, now we start in the darling's bedroom. Right. It didn't, it didn't wasn't that way before, but we're going to, that's where we are now. So that's what we're going to see. So you start in their bedroom and then they fly you out over the city of London, which I think is the most magical part of the ride. I agreed wholeheartedly. It's, um, so, it's just so cool. And I love that that's kind of what they start you with. Uh, even if you're kind of sort of coming out of the bedroom or whatever, you're you're starting out flying over London and you're seeing like the tiny little um, houses below you and you're seeing like Big Ben and a couple other things. And it's like really kind of gets you into that mindset of, uh, of Peter Pan. Yeah, they have the iconic song playing in the background. So there's just, oh, that's like the moment where you're like, wow, this is beautiful. And then we head off into Neverland, and we see the Lost Boys, the Mermaids, the Goon, and we fly. That's when we fly past this Skull Rock that we were supposed to fly in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we go to the Pirates Cove, and then it is fun. You see this giant pirate ship, and you know Peter Pan and Captain Hook are dueling. Apparently, that pirate ship. There used to be a restaurant. I saw that. Yeah. And so that front of the ship was apparently in the restaurant. Yeah, it was Initially. Like just completely unaffiliated. And when they when they did away with the uh, uh, when they did away with that restaurant, they were like, "Well, let's take this and put it in the rock." It can be the Jolly Roger, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then then you're back in London because Captain Hook's been defeated and he's going to get eat by a crocodile. Yeah, there's a little scene where you see Captain Captain Hook like uh, try not to get eaten by the crocodile and Shmi like I'm on my boat, uh, which is why I would be a Shmi. Stay on the boat, Shmi. You know. See ya, Captain Hook. Yeah. So um, it is like it's similar to Little Mermaid, like we talked about. It's a, a ride that basically takes you through the movie um, and lets you see the different scenes in a different version, um, and it's fun. Uh, one of the things that I think, well, maybe it's now now it's not the time to talk about it, but despite all of that, despite being a pretty basic ride, as you alluded to earlier, the line is almost always like an hour. Like it is one of the longest queues, at least in Disneyland. Oh no, it, I'd say it's longer in Disney World. I never go on the Disney World one because the line is always so long, even at, at like midnight. Really? Okay, that's funny because it's not like 
you know, it's I, I, one of the re- reasonings I saw for for this as to why it might be that case is because they have it has one of the lowest uh, writer or guests per hour capacity because they're you only get to do three people on each thing. Realistically, two. I mean, most of the time it's right. two adults, you know, or two adults with a child. Yeah. And they, in other versions, made the ships bigger to fit four. But yes, you can't get very many people on per hour. But it is constantly moving. And it doesn't break down very often. So it, it's funny. Like, I feel like those things balance each other out. And the moral of the story is... It's just a ride people love, and so it yeah. always has a long line. For sure, for sure. And of the uh, rides in that general area, that square, that's the one I would definitely go on every time. If I'm like in that area, I'm like, I want to go on a ride. I'm going to do the Peter Pan one. So It's usually the ride where when I have friends with me, that's like the classic one I bring them to. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. know. It's so interesting. It is so magical, and I can't even tell you why. But it, and it's specifically that room for me where we start in London and then we oh, o- yeah. you know go over Neverland and we see the rainbow and the volcano. It's just so like I, I could just stay in that room and be happy. <laughs> uh, now nah, I'm just thinking of you like trying to jump off the ship and just living in that room. Oh, have I thought about that for sure? <laughs> After the success in Disneyland, we brought it to Magic Kingdom. And they, but they were able to take what they learned from the Disneyland one and apply it to Magic Kingdom, which I don't feel like Disney always does that. Like, yeah, a lot of the ones we talk about, it's like, and they just carbon copied it over here. I feel that way with the Little Mermaid ride. Like, there's nothing different. Mm-hmm. But this, there, there was changes made because they, they realized, okay, uh, the lack of Peter Pan is a problem. So they added audio animatronics, which the Disneyland version did not have. Um, and that's when they added the Native Americans, the Lost Boys, and the Pirates to the ride. How can you have Peter Pan without the Pirates? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, this is what you get when you have three months to make a ride, Walt. <laughs> Walt! Oh, gosh. <laughs> the original one didn't have Pirates or Peter Pan. <laughs> that, I, I wish that there was like a... A video I could watch of yeah. the original ride through, but they added all of, so they added all of those things, uh, and they also included the like Peter Pan and Hooker fighting, right? The scenes, yeah. Yes, and then they were able to bring that back to Disneyland in 1983 for the first refurbishment. Right. That's when they did their first refurbishment for it. Um, That's when they added that boat from the restaurant. Right. That's when they finally made it an actual Peter Pan ride. It wasn't just Peter Pan that got a lot of action. It was all of Fantasyland got an upgrade in 1982. And that's partially due to one of our favorite Imagineers, Tony Baxter. Hooray! Hooray! And so then they were able to add all of that new stuff that was in the original drawings, uh, like the Mermaid Lagoon. They, the rainbow. The rainbow. They still, at this point, had more practical effects um, until they did a refurbishment in 2015. That's when they were able to use more actual special effects and like repaint and stuff. But I think this is so funny. I don't know if you ever noticed. I don't know if you went on it before 2015. Like there would be clouds and they were like little styrofoam balls and like cotton balls. 
Yeah, when you were telling that, I didn't really notice it, but it seems like a lot of the original designs for it were pretty handmade, like paper mache, and they were like, one of the things was like, all the balloons up on the ceiling are just uh, plastic bags. Yeah. <laughs> and again, not, to, not to, to run this bit into the ground, but that's what you get when you don't give me enough time, Walt. <laughs> I also think that's just like using what you have to make effects. I don't know. It's pretty, like they have in the... Um, in the volcano, it had like tin foil to mm-hmm. reflect. Mm-hmm. Now it is. Com- Man, the way we're describing this ride means I can't. Like I'm. I guess it was a hit in 1955 when it came out, but we got like no pan. We got no pirates. We got tin foil like uh, volcanoes. It just feels very. <laughs> I promise it. It definitely was cooler than we're making it sound. I'm struggling yeah. with the pirates part actually more than the Peter part. Well, but... I imagine that when they say no pirates, they mean like that Captain Hook was in it, but like they didn't have his like pirate crew. Um, yeah, it wasn't as big of a production. But they obviously added this stuff now, and then mm. and now there's a lot of special effects with projections and right and stuff, and that. That definitely ups the quality. Sure, yeah. I actually, Um, sometimes I don't like some of the newer technology stuff in these classic rides, but I think a lot of the Fantasyland rides did it really well of combining old with new. So then in 2015, we had lots of the refurbishments going on. Did a big rework. We did all the things because they were like, technology, wow! And we have a lot of money, wow! (laughs) So Magic Kingdom decided that they were going to really jazz up the queue because the queue was super boring and always really long. Yeah. Got to give people something to look at. So now it was this really interactive queue where you're traveling. In, you go inside and guests can get a closer look at what Wendy, John, and Michael's bedrooms looked like. Honestly, it feels like walking through a magical Ikea. Yes! Pixie dust ma- Ikea? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, to be fair, haven't been through it, but I watched a walkthrough um, and I was like, oh, this is cool. There's like a little Tinkerbell flying around and yeah. now she's making things happen and like the globe is spinning and, and yeah. And it, no, it's, the queue seems pretty cool. Disney World has awesome queues. Like you can wait in line and be okay. Yeah. Disneyland doesn't have the space. Yeah. they th- That queue is still the same as it was, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I think it's they... just kind of a back and forth general like. Yeah, you're in Pinocchio Square, but that's it. In 1955, the queue was really, apparently, you know, it was like, it was still something people didn't mind waiting in because there were these murals inside. And as technology grows and we become less patient, a mural's not going to cut it. Yeah, but we got our phones, so, you know. (laughs) Yes, lots of heads up in the parks, that's for sure. (laughs) You know, they should do like, uh, I'm sure at some point they will, like, um an augmented reality kind of game in some of those queues. Well, so Disney like, doesn't quite like have Pokemon that. Go. They don't have that, but they do have Disney play where you walk through the park and it is an interactive game on your phone. Oh, okay. They, cool. they, and they, so in some queues, they do have things for you to play with. They, he's they a, thought of he's it. Well, genius, you know, Walt, he's a I, genius. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, will, do you want to work for Disney? They already took your ideas. I don't know. <laughs> It's in all of Disneyland's except for Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. it was brought to Paris in 1992 and Tokyo in 1930, 1983. 1933? Dyslexia. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
And then finally it was brought to Shanghai Disneyland uh, in in 2016. Which is when Shanghai Disneyland opened. It is. So the only one, like I said, is the only one it's missing from is Hong Kong. Kind of a bummer. But the other one's got it. Most of it is pretty similar. Uh, there's a couple different things, you know, again, adding new digital effects to all of them. The Shanghai one features a four-person ride vehicle instead of two. And Get more people through. Yes. And because it was made in 2016 and ni- 1955, they are able to stop and change speed. And it's a little more technologically advanced. You can do more gotcha. with the ride vehicle. Gotcha. And apparently there was a new scene a splashdown into Skull Rock. Oh, that's cool. So we're getting uh, a little bit closer each uh, 20 years into flying out of Skull Rock. So maybe <laughs> 2035 we'll yeah. finally have that technology. There you go. There's little things that have been added to each one, but for the most part, they're pretty much all the same. So while there aren't like a ton of differences in the iterations of the ride uh, across the world, um, there are little things you can notice like hidden Mickeys. And there's some very cool hidden Mickeys on this one. Yeah, this one has great hidden Mickeys. And because it is a slower moving dark ride, you have the time to kind of look at them and check them out. Or if they're in the queue, you got plenty of time to look at them. True. Too much time. Too Um, much time. So one of the first ones is you're going to see a hidden word in the nursery scene. Uh, there's some blocks, and they might spell out Disney. I like that it says they might. I'm like, does it? Do they or do they not? <laughs> <laughs> like, they, is that a is that a thing people change? Like, come well, on, guys. Actually, there is a uh, another hidden Mickey that did kind of change. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like it's the if you ask me, the most controversial hidden Mickey out there, oh. and I'm ready to fight you over it. I. The most controversial, more than the Little Mermaid cue. That one is oh, a legit hidden Mickey. We yeah, looked it up. That's uh, still so crazy, though. It's crazy to me. But this this one, let's hear it. Okay. So there's a hidden Mickey located at the beginning of the ride. When the ship ascends, the shape of Mickey's head is formed by three cookies that you can see below to the right. Now, the reason that this is questionable is because over the last couple years, apparently... The cookies used to be different sizes and formed a traditional classic Mickey, but now they're all the same size. Yeah, so if you think about a, a traditional hidden Mickey or a traditional Mickey face, you have the bigger part for the face and the two smaller ones for the ears, and that's the way that this used to look. Now they have three same size circles uh, that sort of are at a triangle. Is that a hidden Mickey? I say no. I say no too. Yeah, if you're if your intent is to move away from the design of a Mickey, then you're no longer a hidden Mickey. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, this we're taking that one out. There, <laughs> well, and that is a thing. Um, for a later haunted mansion episode, I'll have a fun fact similar to this. But there are certain ones that are considered hidden Mickeys placed there by the Imagineers themselves, there for you to find them. Then cast members sometimes take it upon themselves to make hidden Mickeys, and then Imagineers go through the ride and are mad, and are like, oh, God, why'd you put that there? That's not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder if that, this is one of those. I am very curious. This isn't quite a hidden Mickey, but it's a fun little tidbit. Ariel from The Little Mermaid is seen in the Mermaid's Lagoon in the Walt Disney World version. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. And then... Um, oh, this is my favorite, I think, of. I think it's mine, too. Well, well. When you're flying over London and you see the, 
you see Big Ben. You can scan the clock tower and in one of the windows at the top above the clock's face, there is a silhouette of Mickey. Yeah, not just the head. No, it's like he's like, I'm up here in Big Ben. What are you guys going to do? It's like, "Ah, we got a mice problem. It is so. (laughs) I actually think Disney kind of does, but we never see them, which. Um. But yeah, that one I haven't seen yet. I'm so excited to go back in 2085. I saw I saw pictures of it and it looked yeah. pretty cool. That's definitely like of all the ones that we've talked about. I feel like that one and um, the uh, haunted mansion one with the spider, even though it's kind of like you know one thing and you know it is another. Those are the two things I'm going to look for so far. Yes, that's exciting. I'm excited yeah. to go back. Yeah. <laughs> When we started this podcast, I'll be honest, I figured we might get a month or two in before we would go back to the parks at most. Got wrong. I was so wrong. Um, Another hidden Mickey that you can see is above the attraction's entrance. There is a teddy bear sitting in a chair. There's like some children's toys up there. And uh, the bear's paw has a hidden Mickey on it. Questionable. I know that one's real. I saw a picture of it. It didn't look that real to me. I think it looked real. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So that brings us to our final questions. We've talked a lot about the queue and stuff like this uh, and and how long it can be to wait to get on this ride. Uh, Yeah, we we reiterated that a lot. (laughs) We did. It's important to know. um, Is this an every trip kind of ride for you? And if so, where does it fit in your day? It is an almost every trip. And Some of these rides got to be not every trip. It's okay for it not to be an but every trip. No. <laughs> I mean, granted, your your days are very long at Disney, but they are. Uh, just be honest it, with the with our listening public. Okay, okay, here we go. If you really want to know, <laughs> yes, I try to always write it, but <laughs> it's it's always at the very end of my day. It is usually one of the very last things I do. Okay. So I it real realistically, I probably go on it like once every like three or four times I go, mm-hmm. but I go a lot, so. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, okay, so if uh, you are, so I think that answers the next question, but just to put it out there, you're leaving Disney. There is 10-minute wait. Do you go on it? That is the most perfect time to go. Yeah, yeah. I think that it, makes sense. Even I would do that one because it's not, doesn't take that much time. 10 minutes, not that big of a deal. And typically on the way way out of the park, sort of. Yeah, it's yeah, it's in Fantasyland. So then you just walk right through the castle. I, it, this is in Disneyland, not right. in Disney World. But I, I try to. I, the Disney World one has a fast pass. Oh, okay. The, the, the Disneyland one doesn't? No. It should. And it's so strange because Dumbo has one. And Dumbo's popular, but not as popular as Peter Pan. I don't think I've been on Dumbo. It's fun. It's a pretty straightforward ride, but okay. is it like a is it like a dark ride or is it like the the spinny thing? It's the spinny. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, last question: What would you change about this ride if you could change anything? And we talked about what would we change about the IP. Okay, not in changing the IP. Uh, I would make it, I think, a little longer, and I maybe would actually add some more variety uh variety within the way the track moves so maybe you might you might speed up at some spots maybe turn a little slower at some spots 
so just a lot of updating. And then, yeah, it might make it a little longer, maybe more pirates. Oh, maybe great. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you meant more like pirates. Oh, no. said longer. I was like, ugh. Oh, my God. No, no, no. He more was so show. sad. I know. I have the right answer, as usual. Um, oh, God. If I'm changing this ride, I'm changing it to every time you get on board, you are given a puppy. To, because oh. we, need, we need more dogs on this ride. Nana is a big character uh, in this movie and is not and we only representation. Have, yeah, she's so. only in the beginning before they... Oh, you get yeah. a puppy. Yep. Can you imagine how problematic that would be? I can imagine how much longer that queue would be. Oh, my God. You're only... I think you're only 17 feet off the ground while you're flying through right, it. Right, right. But, like, you're holding a puppy. The puppy... Oh, God. I don't care. Disaster. Make a cage around it. I want a puppy. <laughs> Uh, will clearly has puppy fever <laughs> always. always always oh well thank you for going on that journey with us to neverland it could be called they could be called the peter pups oh my god <laughs> he's still on it he's or still puppy on pan it. puppy pan uh, anyways yes sorry i didn't mean to interrupt your transition <laughs> but peter pups was too good to, to not oh not my say god. it on air <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to our Peter Pan's flight. It's been a lovely journey. I hope that I sprinkled a little pixie dust onto your day and made it a little more magical. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, and as always, uh, if you want to reach out to us or engage with us, uh, you can do it on social media at Slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram, Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. Um, you can email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And share with all your friends. Share with all your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye.